This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Well, while those of you who are here, while we're waiting, if I could just ask you guys, how many of you are a medical professional? And how many of you are like a health evangelist? And you've gone to like a Yuji Pines, Weimar, a Wildwood, or somewhere like that. Okay, great. I have really good news. If you are, it's absolutely wonderful. And if you're not, it's still absolutely wonderful. Because what we're going to learn today is things that anyone can do um, anywhere. And I wish I had said that from the front because I really... I think that people don't realize that, that you don't have to be, uh, really, all of us should be health evangelists, especially a Seventh-day Adventist. We have an amazing health message that God wants us to share. Today is going to be extremely practical, um, and I'm just going to teach you guys about the things that I've learned. Uh, my name is Holly Smith, and I went to Uchi Pines, which is um, one of our medical missionary training schools uh, about four or five years ago. And after that, I did Bible work for a while and tried to incorporate Bible work and the health message together, and I found it very challenging, um, but very rewarding at the same time. Um, and now I, I've run all kinds of different health things, all kinds of places. If you've been to GYC before, has anyone been to a GYC where we had a health fair? Oh, very few. Well, I hope that you had a good time. I organized those health fairs, and I'm going to teach you, I was going to say, I'm going to teach you how you can do that at your local church, and I'm a big fan of a health fair because it's just a broad, open way to get people, you know, to uh, come in for that. And right now, I'm currently in nursing school, and my prayer is, and you guys can all pray for me, I'm just sharing with you guys in general, <laughs> you can all pray for me, is I really want to open a lifestyle center or uh, come up with a blueprint of how we can, people, whether they are medical professionals or not, can um, gather in medical um, professional, professionals and something. Anyways, to hold like many outpatient natural remedies workshops at their churches where people know like, oh, that church has this uh, facility. I wish that's what I was teaching you today, but I haven't done it, so I can't teach you that, and I can't find anyone who's doing it. So... Um, but something like that, so that it's like a mini lifestyle center right in our neighborhoods where people can come and they won't necessarily stay, but maybe then it could grow into something else. And so that is my big prayer. And actually, just to share with you guys while we're waiting, a little bit of a testimony is about, uh, well, in 2000, okay, well, I don't remember the time. But when, when I, uh, I think it was about 2006 or so, or 2004, I was, in debate about what I should be doing with my life. I was a student at Southwestern Adventist University and I was taking social work and the way I came to take social work was not by any means prayer and great deliberation to see what God wanted me to do with my life. So I decided to start praying about it and some people came to that school which I never saw people at the school as long as I had been there from a self-supporting ministry. I had never heard of self-supporting ministries and I thought I've been Seventh-day Adventist all my life. How have I never heard of this? You know, it can't be Seventh-day Adventist because I've never heard of it. And uh, so I started looking into these ministries and I started praying about going to one. I wanted to do Bible work and I ended up at Uchi Pines Institute which is a, uh, a health evangelism place. And... Um, Prior to that, when I was at Southwestern, my friend and I, I started reading Spirit of Prophecy almost really kind of for the first time in my life. 
and my friend and I decided to start following Councils on Diets and Foods. How many of you have read Councils on Diets and Foods? Praise the Lord. And if you haven't, go online. It's free. You can look at it. You can read it. And uh, we started on campus what was called the Ellen White Diet. And it was the New Year's, and so a lot of uh, people want to get fit at that time. So it was really a neat thing, and we started following those principles. And that was kind of my first uh, introduction and getting into the health message, and it just changed my life. It, uh, not only did I get a lot, I was not very healthy at the time at all, uh, but not only did I get healthier, but my spiritual life was just transformed. And that was when I really, really dedicated my life to God, 100% to follow Jesus. And... Um, and then after that, I, so anyhow, that was just to let you guys know that. So I went to Uchi Pines, and after that, I uh, did Bible work for GYC, actually. I used to work for GYC for a while and some other ministries. And then I married a wonderful man who's a pastor, and now I uh, am a pastor's wife. That's like a job all in itself, by the way. I think that they should have classes on how to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> so if no one else starts one, I'm going to think about trying to help someone to start one. <laughs> um, and and I, just, I do a lot of health evangelism, and I'm in nursing school now. And so I'm almost done with that, thank God, and I'm praying about what would God have me to do. Oh, I'm sharing with you the testimony. You guys, I'm so sorry. Okay, <laughs> you got to keep me on track. So... When I was leaving Southwestern, I, I was trying to decide what God wanted me to do with my life, and I had this huge interest in health. That's why I was telling you we started the Ellen White Diet, changed my life. And I, made, I was praying, and I made a plan, like a two-year plan, five-year plan, ten-year plan, and my ten-year goal was to have a lifestyle center. And I forgot all about that until about three months ago. And that 10 years would be 2014. And so I started praying about it more and more, and I, I made a proposal, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I really believe that God wants me to start a lifestyle center. And uh, I'm just praying that God would open those doors. And I live in Oklahoma City, so when that happens, I'll let you guys know, <laughs> if the Lord sees fit. It is 310, and we have a pretty good crowd here. Uh, for people who just walked in, was there a lot of people out there? in the halls, walking around, looking like, oh, I'm looking for Holly's seminar. All of them. them. We better keep waiting. (laughs) Well, I just want to uh, introduce you guys to some people who will be helping me today, and then we're going to start with a word of prayer. Ladies, if you don't mind just coming up here. I have here with me Laura and Joella. And they are both medical missionaries, evangelists, and they're going to be helping me today. We're going to talk about how you can hold a natural remedies workshop at your church. And so I'm pretty much just going to have them do that for me. So that's wonderful, and I'm so glad you guys are here. Thank you. And then at the end, I have Lisa. Lisa, do you mind standing for us? Lisa is going to share with us about a program that you can go to at Eden Valley Institute so you could get trained to be a medical evangelist. So if you guys don't mind, if you'll just bow your heads with me, we're going to start with a word of prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, how blessed we are to be able to be uh, called to do this work and to have this health message, Lord. And there's so many people who don't know, so many people who are sick, and so many people who are waiting and seeking and hoping for something better. Lord, we just pray that you would be with us here now, that whatever we need to learn, that you would teach us. 
And God, that we would leave this place uh, with a passion in our hearts for the, the sick and lost souls and with tools that we can use to actually reach out to them at our local churches, in our communities, at home, and within our churches themselves. God, we thank you for calling us and that you uh, are the one who qualifies us to do this work. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I have a handout for you. And if I could ask you ladies to pass that out, I have uh, a very useful handout for you. At least I hope that you find it useful. I tried to make it very useful. And it goes through the various topics that we're going to talk about today. And I also just included in there some resources that you can use to help you along with those. And I put some websites and all kinds of different things. And you're welcome to take notes. I have a place there for notes on anything that um, you, don't, you don't quite see that was written down there. Um, I wanted to just read a little quote here for you. In Spirit of Prophecy, it says, The world is sick. Is the world sick? How many of you know, have, uh, have a family member who has diabetes? How many of you know someone who has diabetes? How many of you know someone who has cancer? I mean, the list could go, you can put your hands down, the list could go on and on. I'm pretty sure that all of us know someone who is sick. And if you don't know someone, then probably just go knock on a few of your neighbor's houses and you'll find some people. (laughs) Because everywhere, people are just burdened with disease. And diabetes and heart disease and, um, and cancer and all of these things are things that can either be prevented or reversed through lifestyle. And so what we want to do is to learn about these things yourself so you can teach others and even if you are not a medical professional and don't plan to be a medical professional you can plan to be a medical missionary by educating yourself and there's so many resources that God has given to us um, and councils on diets and foods and ministry of health and medical missionary work are all books that I recommend you read and try to get your hands on so she says the world is sick and from what I can see from the census today she is correct And it says, And wherever the children of men dwell, suffering abounds on every hand. There is a seeking for relief. Let me tell you, if you want to reach your community, if you want to reach the people within your church and your family members, nothing will open their hearts better than the health message. When you can help someone with their life so closely, because isn't health something very personal to someone? It is so personal. Let me tell you, I tell people, Maybe you should consider giving up milk because you're coughing up your lung and you're about to die. I didn't say that part, of course, but, I mean, they're very sick. And people get really angry. People are, I mean, health is, is so closely tied to people. They get really upset about things like that. But then when they actually decide to listen, they love you to death because you've changed their life. You told them about this, and they're not hearing it, mainstream medicine. They're not hearing those things. You know, they're told that our bones are all going to break and fall apart if you don't get your three glasses of milk a day, and these sorts of things. And so people are, are very misled, and we have so much truth, and God help us to follow it ourselves so that we can share it with others. She also says, The Savior made each work of healing an occasion for implanting divine principles in the mind and soul. Every circumstance that we have, every opportunity that we have to share the health message, we should be praying for God to give us the opportunity to help to implant divine principles within these people's hearts and souls. And that comes by way of the Holy Spirit. So as we seek to do the medical missionary work, we need to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and be ready to pray for the people who you're seeking to help. So now I just want to get into the practical aspects of the 
the things that I'm going to share with you today. And those include, first of all, we're going to talk about the health fair. I'm very familiar with the health fair. I'm very comfortable sharing with you the things that I've learned and how you can do it um, at your church. We're going to talk about the depression seminar. And I want to share about it because the depression seminar is life-changing. How many of you have heard of Dr. Neil Nedley? He was on stage today, so everyone saw him at least. <laughs> and uh, he has a depression seminar, and I didn't realize he was here to do a seminar right now, and I asked him to come talk about it, but he's in a seminar himself. But um, the depression seminar is absolutely revolutionary, and it just, there's, I mean, everyone is depressed, except for those who know the Lord. <laughs> I mean, just everywhere I go, everyone's depressed. It's all over the place. When people come into the hospital, you know, whatever diagnosis they have right under it is depression these days, and everyone's on an antidepressant like crazy. And so when you can teach them, the, the depression recovery teaches people how they can, through lifestyle, change or reverse their depression, and it has a very high success rate. So I'm going to talk to you about that. I'm not as comfortable because I'm not a director. I've never been a director. They have a director and then a facilitator, and I facilitated, but I'm going to share with you what I know and how you can go about becoming a director, holding it at your church. We're going to talk about natural remedies, like I said, because I really uh, have been impressed that, and, that this would be a really good thing we could do. If we could just hold natural remedies seminars even at our churches, the world is becoming so and so much more open for an alternative. And unfortunately, New Age stuff is right there ready to hand it to them. And I'm just like, Lord, we need to be on top of this. So uh, that, that's a really awesome thing. How many of you have seen Forks Over Knives? Oh, good. Praise the Lord. Um, I'm going to just talk very briefly about how you can show that at your church. And we're going to talk about cooking classes. I love to cook, um, and I do it a lot. And so that's something I'm very comfortable sharing with you on as well. I want to talk about the health fair. Does everyone have a handout? Who does not? Raise your hand and Joella will get one to you here. Thank you, Joella. She'll get you one of those handouts. I want to talk about the health fair or health expo, however you'd like to call it. The reason why I really... i got to set up my time here, you guys, because as you can see, I could talk. Okay. The health fair is something that I really love because it's just this great opening wedge to really get people interested into the alternative of a lifestyle. How many of you are familiar with New Start? All right, most of you. New Start is an acronym, and we're going to talk a little bit about it, but the health fair follows this acronym. There's uh, between eight to ten booths. And the people at each booth is one of the different acronyms, like N is nutrition. And so there we have the nutrition booth, and we'll talk about what you do at that booth and that sort of thing. But I just want to tell you, I was supposed to have arrows in between this. And just before this, I was on vacation in Florida, and my husband said, oh, honey, I'll do it, I'll do it, because he's good at that. No arrows. Okay. <laughs> no arrows. We were on vacation. So <laughs> it didn't get done. But the arrows would be going this way if I had some. So the health fair uh, is, is where you can kind of start. If you're like, I really want to start some health evangelism at my church, the health fair is a great place to start because it's a broad, open thing. It's a community outreach, and it's very non-threatening, and it's really fun. And your church members will love getting involved because they can get so involved, and it's a great way to get the church involved in outreach as well. <laughs> and, um, and then after you have a health fair, well, that kind of changed. Now it's blue. After you have a health fair, the next thing you can do is something like a cooking class. You don't have to do a cooking class, but another non-threatening health outreach event. 
And after you have something like that, and because at the health fair you'll see you're going to gather all these contacts, now you can invite them, then you can hold something like a depression seminar. And I recommend the depression seminar as the next thing to be held because it's a really good segue into something spiritual. And then you have a spiritual seminar. And in fact, the way the depression seminar is set up, it goes right into the Daniel, Daniel Bible studies. And so this is an amazing cycle. I'm going to show you guys my plan for our churches back in Oklahoma. I have a whole calendar for the year of health evangelism and how we're going to do it. And, um, and so you can see it's just a cycle that could be done again. I just want to talk to you about the, what the health fair is like. I don't want to spend too much time because does it look funny blue? Can you guys see that okay? Okay, we're good. Okay, uh, this is the acronym for those of you who are not familiar with it, except for these two right here. And um, the first one is, is nutrition. So I, I really wanted to put a diagram in there for you guys, but um, I, I wasn't able to. So, but the good news is, is that I have a website there for you um, called Health Expo Banners, that one right there. Sorry, <laughs> pointed on his sheet. I guess all of you can't see that. <laughs> called healthexpobanners.com, um, and it has a whole manual on there. And if you go on there and get that manual, it will be your best friend. It is, it's, it's on your handout. It's on the handout, yes. Uh, it is just, it's an, well put together uh, by Charles Cleveland and his wife. They have a ministry there, and they, they actually sell the banners for the health fair, and uh, they, it's just so well laid out. It makes it so, so easy. And so, um, it, it, and they have a diagram that you can follow. But at the nutrition booth, you'll have food. This is what I've done, actually. So you might want to take a little notes on this because in his thing, it may be a little bit different. But after having done that, I've probably done it between 30 and 50 health expos or health fairs. And I'm just going to share with you what I've decided to do at those booths. And they're mostly all the same. I've added a few things here and there uh, just from what I've learned on what maybe works better or so. And so for the nutrition, uh, we like to put food samples or a food demo. The, the last health fair that we had here at, um, at GYC, I believe we're in Kentucky, we had some people demonstrating how to make scrambled tofu, and people loved it. You know, people love watching interactive things like that. They can see how they can do it. It really piques an interest for your next event, hopefully a cooking class. And so I like to uh, have something like that there. If not, then just having little food samples and the recipe there for the people is a good idea. And the next one is exercise, and they'll do what is called the Harvard step test. And there's just a little um, step that they step up and on, kind of like the step aerobic step. And there's instructions for that in the health manual. That's the same one they use. For water, you want to do, you'll have water that people can drink, and then you'll want to do hydrotherapy. Uh, demonstrations. You don't have to do that, but people, it piques their interest for your natural remedies seminar that you're going to have. And people are very interested in those alternative things. And so they're going to talk about how you can do that. They're going to demonstrate for us some of those at the end for us in the natural remedies section. At sunlight, you have blood pressure. Um, you'll just ask, ask some of the nurses at your church to take blood pressures for you, gather some cups, and you'll have that at the sunlight booth. And then the temperance is where people get their weight checked. People just love that, get their weight checked and their body fat percentage. And you'll see you have to get some special scales from, for that, but you can get them at Walmart or Target, um, or you can order them through the website, thehealthexpobanners.com. At the air booth, in the actual manual, it'll tell you that you're going to do the peak flow meter. 
The peak flow meter is this device um, that you blow into, and there's a little number that rises on a plastic lever. And so it kind of tells you what your lung capacity is. And I have found, after talking with some other medical professionals, and I just kind of felt like people weren't getting a lot from that. I didn't. So I decided uh, you can do that one, but, or you can check their, um, their oxygen saturation with a pulse oximeter. And you can get those fairly cheap in a medical supply store, but that uh, kind of lets us know, usually everyone's is okay, but it lets them know the level of oxygen that's circulating in your blood. And usually the people who have a bad situation like that are people who smoke a lot, have uh, COPD or emphysema or something like that. But I find that to be just a much more accurate measurement. Uh, then at the rest one, we have chair massage. If you can invite someone to come from massage schools, this is a great way to get people to help with that because they need some hours to pass their massage school. So if you call a massage school, tell them what you're doing, they are more than likely to send some people to help. And then at the Trust in God booth, and I want to, uh, we have the stress test. That is also not what's suggested in the manual, but I want to tell you how effective this is, and I highly recommend doing it at the, the Trust in God booth. What it is, is, and you have a website there, I recommended a stress test. It's just an online stress test. And so we have a couple of laptops set up there at the table. And it's, this is near the end. So you can put all of these booths in whatever order you want. Like if I was setting up a health fair in this room, I would have tables going all around here with our nice banners set up and with um, whatever we're using at that table. And so I would have near the end, just second to the end, the Trust in God booth, and then the health age booth would be last. And at the trust, you can put those in how, whatever order you decide. It, it won't matter, make a difference really. But the trust in God booth, I put right before here. And when they go, they do these stress tests. And on the stress test, it's asking them like, you know, have you had a divorce recently? Have you moved in the last five months? And these sorts of things. And people just love to talk about their problems when you ask about their stress. <laughs> so you want to have a Bible worker or a spiritual leader or your pastor or a spiritual person there, uh, and that's where we'll have Bible studies, uh, ready cards to give them or Bible studies to give out. So they do this stress test and they get to the end of it and the whole world is stressed out, I guarantee you. And so they're stressed out and so the person says to them, I want to recommend to you some things that you can do to handle stress. And so then we, they tell them, like, you know, you can start exercising and you can um, start praying. And then we share with them about Bible studies. And it's an absolute wonderful way to get those. I mean, I, we get so many Bible studies that way because people are like, you know, I really do need something else. And so I don't have a set thing for people to say there. I usually pray about putting the right people at that booth because it's just, it's really where we get those interests. And so if you put the right people there, they'll kind of know how to transition. If you just tell them, look, you have them do the stress test and then you know, ask them if they want you know, to try these things that would help with their stress. And then after they're at this, um, the stress test or the trust in God booth, they go to this extra booth, which is the health age screening, which is also in the manual for the, the health fair seminar. 
And here, they, uh, there's a computerized program, and it asks them these lifestyle questions. This is the last booth because they're going to get counseling. If you can have, you want to have at this booth some people who are either a medical missionary, well-educated on medical things, or a medical professional who has a mindset for natural remedies. Because at this booth, they uh, are going to ask them some questions like, how much sleep do you get a night? Do you drink so much water a day? Um, are you eating like this? Do you smoke? And then this little program, you put in all the things, and it tells them what their health age is. So maybe the person's really unhealthy, and they're like 40, but their health age is 55. And so it'll tell them that, and the people are like, oh, no, you know, I need to do something. And then they're with a person who can tell them just what they, or these are things that you can try, or we, you know, these are some of the lifestyle changes you can make, and maybe if you ate this and didn't do that, and such things like that. Um, one of the things, oh, and then this booth right here, I just put it at the end, it's an extra booth, but you want to have something like this. It's a glucose or cholesterol screening, because when you advertise for your health fair and people hear that they can get a free glucose or cholesterol screening, either one you could choose, it's much easier to do a glucose screening where they prick the finger, get the blood, tell them what their blood sugar is. Um, but people really like to come to that sort of a thing. So you can put that anywhere. I believe in the regular manual it says to put it at the nutrition booth. But you can see that my recommendation is not to because I've decided to put food there. So we don't want blood and food together. So you can put it... <laughs> Honestly, I usually start with this booth uh, because, hey, you can put up signs that says free glucose screening here and people, it attracts people to come. And so these are the, the booths that are in the health fair. And is this all clear to you guys? Are you guys getting the picture? It's usually in a circular... I wish I had a diagram for you, but and that these are the different things that go on at the health fair. They come to the end, and this is where we collect their information. So I used to register people at the beginning of my health fairs. I no longer do that. I set it up in such a way so that they can't get past this booth without, uh, before leaving. Because here is where when they fill out that paper that tells the, how, what kind of lifestyle practices they're following and ask for their information. And on that paper, it's already made for you. You'll see it in the manual. It says, I'm interested in a weight loss seminar. I'm interested in a cooking class. And that's where we gather that information. Um, when I've had it at the beginning, I've found it more challenging and people don't understand why we want all their information. And so I've felt a lot more comfortable doing it that way. So those are the booths. And now I just want to tell you a little bit more about uh, different things that I've done and, and things that have helped it to work more smoothly. Uh, you're, on, you're still on your first page, I believe. Um, here it says important tips, and I'm just going to go through some of those. The first one is to choose a pre-populated facility as a venue. So these are things that no one told me, but that I learned, and that if you can do these, you should be having a really successful health fair right away, hopefully, Lord willing, with much prayer. But choose a pre-populated facility. And what I mean by this is do not choose your church gym where nobody comes except for you guys during fellowship dinner because no one's there and they're not going to know and maybe you'll have like 20 people come. And praise the Lord for that. But you could have much greater success by going to a facility where there's already people. When people are already there, they see that you have this thing going on, they love to come. Some of the places that I've held a health fair or health expo in such a way uh, was the YMCA. Call your YMCA. They will let you come do a health fair there. Call anywhere you want. They'll probably let you come. They just think it's great that you're doing this free community event, and people really like, like this a lot. When I was in, it says Minnesota, they're really for my own notes. Uh, when I was in Minnesota, 
I did quite a few health fairs there in the area. We did one in a, a gym. It wasn't our church gym. It was just a local gym. So any gym where people don't go, a school gym. I mean, the, my first thought is that's a great facility because it's open. It's a great facility, but people aren't there. And not many people come there, unfortunately, with much advertising. And we advertise a lot, and it's very expensive to do so. Um, and so... At the YMCA, I think in the first two hours, we had over 100 people who came. Because not only did people who want to come, people who see the advertisement come, but people who are now at the YMCA, are they interested in health? Of course they're interested in health. And so it's a perfect opportunity, you know, and you have some people there inviting people, oh, come over, and people just love it. And so it's a great opportunity. Another place was when I was in Minnesota, I had it at a shopping center, and it was kind of like a flea market. We, I, I don't remember how many people we had. We must have had over 400 people go through that health fair. It was a large number it, because there was just lots and lots of people already there. And you have free food samples, and they can get free screenings and all these sorts of things. When I was in Tampa, Florida, we had it at a park, an outdoor park that was a very nice park. And we, had, we roasted... Um, corn on the cob, and we had a bounce house for kids, and so just be creative. It was a big community event that we did, and, um, and our advertising drew a lot of people for that one, but it actually rained that day. Oh, it was so sad. I was crying, you guys. It was terrible, but, <laughs> but thank God we prayed, and the rain stopped, but it started raining right when we were about to start, and everyone, all the church members, you know, I'm supposed to be the leader. They were probably crying, too, because I was crying, and, uh, but they, <laughs> we had all our banners out, you know, and they're not supposed to be getting all wet, but they're vinyl, so anyways, we were getting the banners out, and it was so windy, but praise the Lord, a tornado was coming, and so praise the Lord, it didn't, and it all stopped, and we had a really good health fair, really big turnout. And so that's also another place. We had it at a convention center uh, for GYC. And I do have to say, this contradicts a little bit what I said, but we had a really good turnout. Um, and I think what it was, was we were able to advertise on the sides of the city bus. So your church may not be able to afford to do that, but that was an amazing way to advertise. <laughs> and we got a lot of people from that, especially in downtown area. A lot of people just walked in off the streets. I had people out on the street side inviting people in. And so that was a really good one as well. And then I put here a church just because um, I wanted to bring out the point that if you are having uh, an event where people are already coming to the church, then you can incorporate the, the New Start, the health fair with it and it's a really great opportunity. So those are my recommendations. You don't have to do it that way. You can have it wherever you like. But I want to say that you will have a lot of success if you have it at a pre-populated place. I've thought that maybe we could do one outside of a Walmart or inside of a mall. Um, I've, seen it, I've seen other ministries do it in various places like that. And I think that try to you know, pray about it, think outside the box. I want to talk about some supporting... Um, organizations that you can invite to help you with the health fair. And so I have here sponsors and assistants, and I want to talk about inviting a health food store. Health food stores want to advertise themselves, and so they will give you food for free. And if they can say, hey, this is from Whole Foods Market, or this is from whatever place you have in town. And so um, you can invite them to add a booth to your place, and they'll give out free samples. One time, how many of you are familiar with Jamba Juice? Oh, yeah, all you guys are all happy to hear about that. You're wishing you could have a smoothie after this class, I'm sure. Uh, but we had Jamba Juice come, and they, they sold smoothies, 
but they sold them at a discounted price, and it was hot. It was the one that was outside, the one that rained, but then it got sunny, so it was good. And they sold their smoothies. Um, but it's a good way to invite the community, and people see it as a big community event. And that's a really good way to, uh, that people are more open to come. Uh, you can invite, when I say gyms, I mean like workout gyms, like the YMCA can come. You can ask them to be at your exercise booth and to have, you know, if they have a trainer who would talk about exercise there after they do their little the activity that you have planned. So uh, think of ways that you can draw in the community to help you with something like that. And then massage schools, I kind of told you guys about that already, that massage schools, um, usually you call and you'll just look up massage schools in the phone book or Google it, and you will see that there is a list of massage schools. You call, ask to talk to the, uh, the teacher or the instructor, and they'll tell their students about it, and then usually the students will contact you and say, yeah, I'd love to come. And then you can have a blood drive, another great way to invite the community to be a part of it. You contact the blood bank and they are 100% wanting to come, trust me. They really want to have blood drives everywhere they can. And then people can come and they can give blood and that's a good way to also advertise your health fair. I want to, we're going to come back to this front page, but you guys will see here you kind of have this random page that says medical disclaimer. I want to tell you guys that when I first started doing health fairs, I did not have a medical disclaimer, and we had a bit of a mishap at one of our health fairs that could have been extremely legal and extremely got us into trouble, and the lawyer from that conference that we were working with had to work out all these things with me, and after that, he said, you need to have a medical disclaimer, and so this is the disclaimer that I have, and I'm sharing it with you, because um, I, I wouldn't have known what to do if he didn't help me do that. And so when people come to your health fair, they have to, have to, have to fill this out. They cannot go through your health fair before they fill it out. And it's usually not a problem. People don't mind. And you want to keep this. You want to keep it for future reference. So I just have that up there. That's a really important thing to have. It just lets them know that we are not their doctor, nor do we intend to be in that sort of a thing. This is educational purposes. And that they agree to receiving the, the various screenings that we're going to provide for them that day. Yes. What was that? I keep it for about two years. I keep it for two years, yeah. So I just have a, in, my, in the vault in the church, you know, taking up space. <laughs> yes, good question. Um, I want to talk about advertising. And I said keep it basic. And the reason for that is, is because I have spent tremendous amounts of money on advertising when I think it would have been better to spend that money on improving my health fair and having the health fair at a location that is pre-populated. Um, but you do need to advertise. And the places that have worked well for me with advertising is the radio. If you go online, you can find, I believe, the Christian radio station, K-Love is everywhere. K-Love will advertise your health fair for free or whatever you're having. If you're having any event at your church, uh, K-Love will advertise it for free on, on the radio if you tell them a month or more in advance. And you can actually find other radio stations that will do the same. K-Love, K, yeah, K-Love, K-L-O-V-E. And so if you just Google that, you'll see they have a website. Is everyone with me? Is this making sense? Okay. People looked a little confused. I just wasn't sure. Um, but... The other place that's really good to advertise is the newspaper. And I thought, no one reads the newspaper, but apparently they do. Because when they come to the health fair and I ask how they heard about it, a lot of people check through the newspaper. And um, 
So they come from the newspaper. So I highly recommend putting an ad in the newspaper. And then I recommend making simple flyers. Um, you can get really great flyers, and that is wonderful, like through Hamblin, the companies that make our evangelistic series flyers. Or you can make something simple um, for yourself, just at home by yourself, have someone from your church design it. And I highly recommend having your church members go out into the community and knock on doors and invite people personally because those are the people who come, the people who you invited personally. Because you know what? When you knock on their door, you say something about health, they'll tell you how sick they are, and you can say, great, we have just the thing for you. And they come from a personal invitation. So I have not seen that mailing out works as well as a personal invitation because when they say, I found out from a flyer, I usually try to, I usually like to have someone at registration who can figure out these things for me because when they come in, I have a little place where it says, how did you hear about this health fair? And then they'll check it was this, this, or that, depending on how we advertise. And uh, a lot of people will say, if they had a flyer, I have them ask them, where, you know, how did you get your flyer? And they'll say, someone knocked on my door. And so that is just 100% the way. I don't know um, what happened with the others. But, and then I have here for advertising local churches, invite your church members. We forget about this when we're doing a health fair. We think we need to reach the community. Please, 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 personally have someone call and invite your church members because us as ourselves need to be following the health message. And unfortunately, I think you could agree with me that we're falling short of that. And so invite your church members so they can get the screenings because when they come, they say, you know what, I really do need to start doing something. And I mean, you see them all the time at church, so you can always help them more. And so, and then it will help them, you know, to change and help other people. And also invite the surrounding churches, the surrounding Seventh-day Adventist churches, as well as non-Seventh-day Adventist churches. They will pass it out at their church for you if you give them some flyers, because more and more people are interested in health. And you can ask those churches after they come, I've made contacts, and you can hold a health fair at their church. The pastors will let you. They want their people to be healthy. And so I have had opportunities um, of people asking me, hey, can you do this at our church? And absolutely, why not? So that's another great option. And then you can go around to local gyms and advertise that way. I just want to tell you about the best times of year that I think to have a health fair. Is, um, in the summer, is a, a great time because you can do one outdoors, like I had the one at the park. And an outdoor thing, you know, people really like that. And people feel like being healthy in the summer, right? Like, oh, they just feel really good about themselves or they want to go to the beach or something like that. And so it's a really good time. And then the New Year uh, is a good time. Not just if you could do any health event on the New Year, it's good. Because, of course, people are making what? New Year's resolutions. And what is their New Year's resolution? Lose weight. They want to lose weight. So have a weight loss seminar. Have this health fair and advertise on there. Learn how to lose weight when you uh, have your advertisement um, because it's an, an awesome, awesome way to, uh, an awesome time to get people. And then I said in conjunction with a community event. And when I say that, um, like every state I believe has a, like a local fair. What are those called? Do you guys know what I mean? Like the city fair you know, every year. You can go and set up a booth there. You don't have to set up a whole health fair, but you could do blood pressure screenings. You could do that health uh, age analysis. And when you do the health age one, you get all their information and interests for other things. So that is also a good time. But I will tell you, anywhere, anytime you can go where there's people uh, and you want to do a health fair, then do it. 
And then the other important thing is follow-up. And I talked about this already, but the two places where you're going to gather their information is at the Health Age booth, because remember, that's where we get their information if they're interested in more events. And then the Trust in God booth, because if they fill out a Bible study card and they want Bible studies, we'll also get their information there. And it is so important to make sure that before you even plan this health fair, that you look at that little cycle that I gave you and you have a plan, because the health fair is just the beginning. It's just the beginning of what we would like, you know, just the starting point. And so, you know, um, you want to make sure that you know how are we going to follow up on these? What is our next plan? What is our next health project that we are going to do? And this is in your handout, as I told you. This is the website I was talking about where you can find the Health Expo banners. You'll find every resource that you need. And you'll, I even put on there exactly where to go. And I believe the... Yes, that's right. I, I put there, go to downloads, scroll down to Health Expo Manual so you can find the Health Expo Manual. should be very easy. <laughs> and you can print it out. You can print out all these handouts. It's a really great website. And then I also have there for you on the sheet the uh, Trust in God website, the stress test website. Okay. We are moving through this very quickly because I have a lot of things. I will get to you in just a second. I have a lot of things that I want to share with you uh, of just real practical things and ideas that you can do and just what I've learned personally. So that we're going to go into talking about how you can do a cooking class next. And you have a question there in the back? Yes, thank you. That's a very good point. She was saying that it is, it's, a little, it's expensive to get the banners for your own church. And so she was saying what they did was they had the conference purchase them and then other churches can, you know, it stays at the conference office and when the churches need it, they get the banners from them. And that's actually, that's the way we have it too. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, and that way, not just one church has to spend the money uh, getting those banners. Very good point. Does anyone else? Yes. That's right. Very good question. I usually always do it on the weekend. I do it either on a Sabbath afternoon or I do it on a Sunday. And so, because during the week people are at work and they're busy and that sort of thing. So, but you know, just make sure you don't do it on like Super Bowl Sunday or be aware of the events that are happening. <laughs> Sometimes we forget when we're planning our calendars, you know, just what's happening around. Yes. Oh, yes, that's a good point. Thank you. Does anyone else have a qu- uh, So is this one on right now? Does anyone else have a question? She says, because it's being recorded, we need you to come to this microphone here so that people can hear you. Or you can save your questions for the end and we'll pass around a microphone. Is that better? I know people don't like to come to the microphone, right? It's scary, I know. Okay. So we'll come back to that. Don't forget your questions. If you have them, we want to get them answered for you. I want to talk about, if you want to flip over a few pages now, past the medical disclaimer. I want to talk about, oh, I'm sorry, they're not in order. Past the depression recovery. How to do a cooking class. A cooking class, you know, I'm a very versatile kind of person, and I like to just do things 
in my own way kind of a thing, whereas I know that some people really want something that's very set where I can tell them, you're going to need this tool and that tool and do this, this, and this. So I tried really, really hard for you guys to do something like that. I really did. Um, but I'm the kind of person, and they say, oh, you want a cooking school, and I'll just kind of decide what I'm going to do and make up what I think and, and uh, you know, like watch another show and then say, oh, I saw what they kind of did that, and I kind of like think that's a good idea and incorporate it. So, but I tried to make an outline here for how to do a cooking class. I highly recommend cooking classes because people like to eat. And if you can make some good food, they'll really like you also. And so, <laughs> Um, the very first thing that you want to do, I just have an outline here for you, is you want to plan and practice your menu. How many of you could foresee yourself wanting to hold a cooking class? Okay, good. Good, good, good. I just wanted to make sure all of you weren't like, no, we don't like to cook, and I'm telling you how to do a cooking class. So the first thing that you want to do is, if you have never done a cooking class, is try to watch some. We have a lot of Seventh-day Adventist cooking demonstration videos that you can get at the ABC or that you can go onto 3ABN website and sometimes they have there, like the Mitchiff sisters, what they've done. Um, I highly recommend watching a cooking show just so that you can kind of see how they go about it and how it goes. But I'm just going to tell you how to set up a cooking class and the tips that I have for you while doing it. The next page that you have, it says cooking class blueprint. This is something that you can follow to kind of outline what you need to do for this cooking class. It says like the date, the class title, the time, how much it's going to cost, who will be demonstrating, and then your menu, what tools you will need, and this sort of thing to kind of help you start with getting organized. The very first thing is you need to plan and practice your menu. The reason why I, I uh, oh, I made a really cool blog for you guys. And on this blog, you'll see right here at the bottom, it says it's called myownveg.blogspot.com. And you go on there, and it, I have listed all the cooking classes that I've done. So if you're like, I just don't know what to cook, you can go on there. And I used to do cooking classes at Whole Foods Market, and we did so many various things we did this one series called Destination Vegan. And it was like a travel through all these different countries, vegan style. So we did Destination Vegan Italy or Destination Vegan Asia. And you can go on there and you click on whatever the title of that cooking class is and it just brings up all the recipes that I use and the instructions for them. Isn't that awesome? Okay, so I thought that, I wish that I could have just done that. You know, it's just like, oh, let me print that out. But you probably have some really good recipes that you want to do, which is absolutely wonderful because if you, when you know the recipe, people can tell and you can tell them like, you know, I made this and I've, you know, I like to eat it this way or I like to do that. But even if you don't, then you can uh, use some of the recipes that you can get on that, get from my thing online or you can look in some good cookbooks. But the important thing is, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, so first of all, <laughs> plan and practice your menu. So I have here, choose five to six demonstrations. And so you want to choose um, like three entrees, a side dish, two side dishes, and maybe a dessert. Um, because if you have all entrees, your class will probably go too long, and your class should last like an hour and a half to two hours is pretty good. But you want to practice your recipe so that you are comfortable with it. And she, wants, she has a question. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, okay. Sorry. Don't need to come over. I was going to share my microphone with you. Um, I was saying you should have three entrees, two sides, 
and a dessert. But you don't have to do it that way. And the reason I didn't put specifically how to do that is because maybe you're going to have a vegan baking cooking class. Well, there is no entree for vegan baking. Instead, you're going to need to look at how long those, those things will take for you to demonstrate because you're not going to wait for it to cook. You're going to pre-make all of your food before for the people to taste. I have, um, I have done it both ways where I cook right there and then the people taste and that is very stressful because what if it doesn't come out good? <laughs> what if you mess up? And uh, what if it just doesn't cook fast enough and it's a bit more stressful? But if you have everything pre-made, if you mess up the day before, you can just remake it and no one has to know. And you can taste it ahead of time to make sure that it's good. So that is the best, uh, that is the way, and that's what, what I mean when I say pre-make sample food. So choose your demonstrations, practice, 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 make, uh, um, and then pre-make your food before the class is kind of what I'm just trying to say there. You need to choose a venue. Having a cooking class at your church is a great place. I have never had a problem with having a cooking class at church. People don't mind at all. They always come and um, you just want to advertise, advertise it well. The big thing with the cooking class I have found is advertise it well. If I could, I would mail out flyers for a cooking class if I could because it works well. People get it. People are interested in healthy cooking these days, and they come from that. I've seen that quite a bit. And also I want to point out, you know, um, in Spirit of Prophecy, she tells us that the, um, to reach the wealthier classes, that a really good thing to do is, is use our health message and the healthier, the, the, the wealthier classes really like cooking classes. They really do. And I get a lot of, of uh, those people at my cooking classes. And so it's a really uh, good way to get people um, to come who maybe we, we weren't going to reach you know, another way. So you can have it at your church. That's fine. You could have it at a health food store. If you have a whole foods market, how many of you have a whole foods market in your town? Have a cooking class there. If they have a culinary center, you just call, or maybe you already know, and say, do you have a culinary center? They will let you come and use it, and they will pay you to do it. So, I mean, you could do it for, I mean, I do my, I was doing it for free at first, and they were like, are you sure you don't want to be paid? And I was like, you know, I'm just trying to do this ministry thing. And, but, uh, but they will, so, <laughs> so it's a nice thing. But um, because they really want uh, people to come. But if you plan to go there, make a plan and let them know and be professional and, and well presented. Um, so, and you can try other small health food stores. Usually they have, uh, like if you go to a health food store, usually they'll have a flyer or something that says that so-and-so is coming to talk about whatever. Well, you could be that someone coming to talk about whatever because they are very, very open to having people come. And then I have a home visit. Um, and what I mean is that you, you meet someone and you, or, you know, people see me at, whenever I go to work, they see me eating or when I'm at school, right? And if you're just with other people, you know, and they see you eating and they're like, what is that? And what do you eat? And, oh, you're vegetarian? Aren't you tired all the time? Or, you know, they say crazy things. And, and I say, no, it's really good, you know, and uh, would you, I'll bring you something tomorrow. And, and then you can share something with them and then invite them to a cooking class that you're going to hold. Um, but, and the, or go to their house is what I'm trying to say. A home visit is you can tell them, I'd be willing to come over and show you just how I do this. Or you can invite them to your house for a meal and then cook with, or, and have them cook the meal with you before. 
and demonstrate to them that way. And I really like home visit cooking classes because it's so personal and afterwards you get to sit down and eat the meal with the person and you can talk more about it and share with them more and people love that a lot. And you're already in their homes and so eventually you'll be in their homes for Bible studies and it's a really great way to do it. Uh, the next thing that you need to do, so once you have uh, planned and practiced your things, you know what you're going to do, I also want to let you know that you do not have to do a cooking class alone. You don't have to be the only demonstrator. I usually like to have uh, two people demonstrating because uh, when one person is trying to figure out what they're doing, the other person can be going or demonstrating. And then you'll need assistance. I've also done it before where I had church members who had decided to try a plant-based diet. I had them... Uh, demonstrate a recipe that they had tried. So I had like six presenters at my class and they each demonstrated something. So you can be creative. Uh, you know, it's, it's cooking. It's a great way to get people involved. The, the next thing is you need to gather this team. So it says at least one personal assistant. And what I mean by that is you're going to be there cooking and inevitably you're going to forget that you left the blender blade in the kitchen and you're going to need someone to grab it for you. And that's your personal assistant. You need some people who can just help you, some people who are back there and wherever the kitchen is, who are holding things together and who know what's going on. And then um, it says, oh, those are the general assistants. I'm sorry. <laughs> it says at least three general assistants. And the one personal assistant is, um, is the person who would be cooking with you. And I like to do it that way, but you don't have to. You could have one person who's just kind of working closely with you and then at least three people who are in the back washing dishes. If you don't have someone washing dishes, you will have a lot of work to do when you're done. <laughs> so I really like to have some, some willing, uh, kind and willing souls to help with that. Um, the next thing I have here, so plan and practice your menu, figure out what you want to do, decide where you want to have this, gather your team of workers together, and then uh, when you're going to have the cooking class, these are just some tips that I have for you, and that is prepare your trays with all ingredients and a copy of the recipe. So when you know what you need, you're going to go and shop, and how you're going to fund this cooking class is hopefully your church has an evangelism fund or a health evangelism fund or something like that. You're also going to charge for this cooking class unless you don't have to. If you don't have to, if I didn't have to charge for a cooking class, that would be great, but people um, are more likely to come when they have to pay. I find I just have higher <laughs> numbers when people have to pay. So I would charge something, even if it was just $5, um, but I usually charge $15 or $20 for the class. But um, So you want to prepare the, your trays ahead of time. You have, you'll buy all your ingredients, and you want to do this the day before or the night before, figure out all the tools that you need, and on that next sheet I have listed there where you can put those things. Figure out what tools you need, and then you want to have some kind of trays. So you're going to demonstrate six recipes, so you would have six trays laid out. Put everything you need for that recipe on that tray and put a copy of the recipe there. And then when you're out here ready to demonstrate, your assistant will have lined up, okay, we're going to do these recipes in this order, and she'll be able or he'll be able to bring out the tray when you're ready uh, for it. The next thing I have is have handouts of the recipes, of course, because people are going to want to know when they go home, how can I do this and what do I need to do? So provide them with handouts. The next thing I have here is start the class with a small lecture. Um, it's a really awesome opportunity to talk to people about health because they've come for the cooking class, they're interested in health, and so put together a small lecture um, just on 
I usually, if it's a general cooking class, it depends, you know, on what your cooking class is on because maybe you've done three cooking classes and this is the fourth in a series. But I will just tell them about the benefits of vegan uh, eating, or I usually say plant-based because sometimes people don't know what vegan means, but a plant-based diet. And so I will share with them, and usually I just do a 10-minute thing. And the reason why that's also good to do at the beginning of your cooking class is because it piques their interest in other events that you may have. And it shows them that I don't just know about cooking, but I can share with you a whole lot of other health information that could really help to help you with your health. The next thing I have here is to have a registration uh, because you want a place where people can sign up for future events. So I'll have a registration sheet and usually I'll ask them, how did you hear about this? There's a place for them to put their name and their address, their email address and their phone number. And uh, I bet I have another slide here. Nope, sure don't. And, uh, and those sorts of things. And then have other upcoming events because remember that this is a cycle. So you're not just doing a one-time cooking class, but you want to, you're trying to build a relationship with these people. And I've seen that we'll have a one-time event and then hope that people come to an evangelistic series. And praise God that I have seen that happen, but I have seen that not happen very much. And so what I see a lot more is if we do a whole cycle and build a relationship with the people and get to know them, then they're a lot more likely to, be, their hearts will be open for the gospel. So you want to have a place where they can sign up for those future events. And then I have there that the cost is 15 to $30 is usually what I charge. And um, people are very willing to pay for that cooking class because they're very interested in doing it. I just want us to take a quick five-minute break. And when you guys come back, I'm going to talk about showing forks over knives at your church and how successful I have found that to be. And then we are going to talk about the depression, how to do the depression seminar, and then the natural remedies. So if you want to get a drink of water or use the restroom, now is a good time. It's, yeah, it's like the very last. Oh, did you turn that down? You're so good. Thank you. Yes, that's going to be the end, and I can give one of them this and then the other one the handheld. Oh, that's right. We'll have him share. We'll have him share. <laughs> um, I think out in the hallways they have it. Okay. I would say yes, but then maybe everyone will be coming up. <laughs> I am. But it's just right there. I'll wait for you. It's just right there. Okay. All right, you guys. If you want to have a seat, we're going to get started again. I just am going to cover this one really quickly. Uh, a lot of you raised your hands that you had seen the documentary, Forks Over Knives. It is an excellent documentary done by uh, a couple people, but it's focused on these two doctors who actually used to both, they grew up on dairy farms and uh, they have worked in conventional medicine pretty much all of their lives. And especially uh, with heart disease, you know, they've just seen so many of their patients you know, who end up just getting surgery. And so if you haven't heard of Forks Over Knives, it took me a while to figure out what the name means. But you'll see there in the picture, uh, oh, well, it's kind of cut off. Oh, no, it's not. You'll see they have a, a hand holding a fork up here. And then this is a scalpel, like let me cut you open and you can have a triple bypass scalpel. So it's forks, what you eat over knives, surgery. And so, of course, because that's what people get, and heart disease is kind of what led these doctors, it seems, into looking into some alternatives. So they did excellent research excellent research uh, for over years and they've practiced on their patients and pretty much 
they're um, putting forth a plant-based, totally vegan diet, and it's very, very compelling, very convincing. For those of you who are just coming in, I'm just telling them a little bit about, if you haven't seen Forks Over Knives, just what it's about. And so the thing about this documentary is if you haven't seen it, get it and watch it. And you will be very convicted that you should also follow a plant-based diet. It's very, very good. And it's a really good opportunity to show something that's done professionally by professionals who have done a lot of research. Um, and it's interesting and people like it. And I, um, I've only done it once. I'm about to do it here and actually in just a few weeks at one of my other churches. But um, the way that you go about showing this is legally you have to get a license. I have here request an online license. You're going to go online and you can Google Forks Over Knives. I may have put the website there for you. I'm not sure. It's on there. Okay, you can go to that website or if not, you could Google it. The website will come up. Um, and you want to register with them. And it's pretty much just a website that says, I want to show Forks Over Knives. There's not a whole lot on the handout about this. Um, but it is there. But you want to... Sorry, let me get there with you guys. So right under the, the sheet that says Depression Recovery Seminar is where that is. You want to request a license online. It costs about $75 to $100. And um, each... For, for that one time that you show it. Does that make sense? Sorry, <laughs> I didn't understand your question. It just works for one, right, just the one time. Yeah. But <laughs> for public showing. Yeah, that's for public showing. And it's very well worth it. We had one and we had about 100 uh, community people come. It was, it was very good. Um, and so what you want to do is you want to go online and you want to uh, register to get this license. And when you do, they will tell you just the steps that you need to take. And so you will just follow what they say. They'll send you some forms. You'll fill it out. They'll uh, correspond with you. You'll get billed or the church will get billed, however you go about doing that. And then they'll advertise for you. They'll advertise online. They'll send you some really nice flyers. And the best way that I have found to advertise for this, I've only done it once, but it's personal invitation. That's mostly what we did. But, of course, I would advertise any way I can. This second time, I'm going to try to advertise a whole lot more for it. But... When you show it, it's really nice to do it in conjunction with uh, another event. We had a very large plant-based meal for the people, and we pretty much had it like a potluck style. We asked various church members to cook some nice dishes, and we, um, people just came, and they ate the food. They loved the food, and then we showed them forks over knives. And then, of course, they were asking for recipes. When they ask for recipes, we can tell them, we're going to have a cooking class. And so it's another great way to get people interested in your events. Um, and so the other thing I want to tell you is you can see here I have a Vibrant Life magazine front. This is our Adventist magazine. Forks Over Knives is not an Adventist uh, video. Um, and, and, but our Vibrant Life has made something for it. It says Forks Over Knives right here on it. And so it's a really good handout that you can get. You can get the people's information by having them register or or have them sign up for a cooking class or something like this. Um, we used our church for this. It worked out just fine. I think anything where they're eating, they'll come to your church is what I found. If you have free food, they'll come. Um, and having the free plant-based meal. So that's really uh, pretty much all I'm going to say about that. I don't have a whole lot to say on that. It's just an idea that I want to put out there to you guys. I want to just share with you a little bit about doing the depression recovery seminar. 
And that is right there on that same page with the forks over knives. The depression, the thing about the depression recovery seminar is you do need to receive training for this. Um, let me just walk across here and grab these materials. I have here the materials that you would receive. You can go and get live training and they have one coming up at the end of February in Dallas. And they have another one that's happening at that health summit that the North American Division is having. Unfortunately, I, I just talked to Dr. Nedley and he thought that the, the dates were online, but I could not find them online for the live training. So what I would do is if you want to get trained, see I live in Oklahoma City, but I was living in Ardmore, Oklahoma, and Dr. Nedley lives in Ardmore, Oklahoma. So, so I didn't uh, go and get trained and things. I worked with the people at his clinic. and so, um, so I haven't actually been to a training, but I recently sent some people from one of my churches to a training, and they learned everything they needed. And now those church members can facilitate, direct, and run that health, this depression recovery seminar um, all by themselves, which is very, very nice. So anyone can learn to do it. Uh, you just want to, for the director, have someone who's organized, have someone who's passionate, and someone who is willing to get up front and speak to the people who you invite to your depression recovery seminar. So uh, I have the website there for you on your handout, but the uh, training you can also get online, and it is a little bit expensive. It is, um, I don't remember how much, but you have to pay to receive that training. But I highly recommend that what you could do is have the church sponsor you or sponsor someone to go to receive that training because this is a very, very, very useful program, a useful tool to have to use. Now, uh, Dr. Nedley the, um, has a booth here. And so if you say, I really am interested in that, I talked to uh, the gentleman who's running it, David Dom, and uh, he said, oh, just send them to the booth. And so you guys can go by there and talk to him and get the exact dates. I'm sorry that wasn't very clear to me to share that with you. But I do know this, is that when you pay for that training, you will get all the materials that you need to run that. Because this, if you had to buy it separately, this is all very expensive. These are the DVDs that you're going to use um, in your seminar. And then you'll have also a workbook and a hardcover book, and they recommend various other books for the people to use. So the first thing is to get trained. And when you get trained as a, a director, you can train your facilitators. And what that means is that this is an eight-week program and the way it works, and you would learn all this in your training, but I just want to let you guys know what it's like. It's an eight-week program, and the way that it works is that you advertise for people to come, and holding this at a church is a perfectly fine. You can hold it wherever you like, though, but I've held it at churches, and people are depressed, and they're going to come. Um, and you advertise that you're going to have a, a, an event showing, and this event showing... Um, it's kind of an introduction, and there's in the DVDs that you get, it'll be something that you show. And you let people know what the program is, you show them, and in, in all the DVDs are Dr. Nedley, and, uh, and it's very, very well done. And he kind of tells them an overview of what this depression recovery seminar is. And it's pretty much letting them know that they can reverse their depression through lifestyle practices. And he goes through those, there's what he calls the 10 hits, and these hits are things that have kind of led to your depression. And he talks about the frontal lobe, the front part of our brain, and whenever that's damaged, then you have, you're depressed. 
And so we're, it's looking at things that you can do to reverse that damage that's happening, things that's going on, things that are very specific to depression. And so it's very good. And so you have them come and they learn about it. And when they learn about it, then they can sign up for the program there and they can pay, they'll have to pay because they'll have to buy a book um, and some other books that they get as well. And uh, people are, are more than willing to do it is what I've found. And so the people come to that first session, they sign up, and then a week later you start your actual eight weeks. And you hold it on the same night each week. And what happens is the people come, and they'll have a log, and they'll have things that they're filling out in their workbook. But you'll show this, you welcome them and such, and you'll show this DVD. There's a couple of DVDs in here, as you can see, because it goes for eight weeks. And... If you want to see a little bit of this at the end, you're more than welcome to stop by and see me. But each week, they'll cover a different topic on things that can help them with their depression, whether it's sunlight, nutrition, exercise, um, and all these different things. And so as they come, after they, they watch, then they break up into these small groups. And that's when you need your facilitators. So the director is directing everything. And then you have three to four facilitators, but it depends on how many people you have, and they break up into these small groups. And so that's why your facilitators need to be trained. Um, they will give you some materials so that they know what they need to do in that, that, those groups, what is the goal, and how to do a small group. And they give them lots of tips of what to share, what to ask. And so they, in those small groups, they cut, that's really where things happen. So you want to have good facilitators because they, the people are supposed to be going through this workbook along with each lesson, and in there there's a log for them to keep track of. Have they been exercising? Have they been doing their deep breathing? Have they been listening to classical music that helps with their depression or uh, bright light therapy or these things that they're supposed to be doing? And you need a good facilitator who is good with helping them stay on track and uh, you know, helping them to follow the program well and encouraging them. And so uh, after that, then at the end... Um, they're dismissed and they come back for the next week. And so that happens for eight weeks. You'll see in the program that they have you demonstrate or have them taste some of the foods that they highly recommend, um, foods that help with depression, like foods that are high in omega-3 or foods that are high in troponin um, and those sorts of things. And so after, at the end, at the end <laughs> of the program, um, the nice thing is is that they can um, go into the Daniel Bible study at the end of the program because we know that health is so closely related and they, they give you the concepts that you need to transition. And so at the end, you invite the people to come to the Daniel Bible study. And I've always had at least 60 to 70% of the people come to the Daniel Bible studies always have baptisms. I mean, it is just an amazing program. And, I mean, the people just, you really build good friendships because you're there with them week after week and you're helping them with their depression, you know, helping them change their lifestyle and you really just become their good friend. And so I highly recommend doing the depression recovery program. And now, I want to talk to you guys about, I believe at the beginning, I was telling you guys how much I would really like to see us practicing some kind of a mini uh, lifestyle facility out of our churches or, you know, people, in Spirit of Prophecy, she tells us we should have these small centers of 
of health or you know many sanitariums where people can come for healing and unfortunately people usually have to go very far for those and I don't mean to say unfortunately because I'm always encouraging people to go to those lifestyle centers but a lot of people can't go or they can't afford it and so and then we just don't know what to do so they just you know don't we don't end up helping them very much and so I would really like to see our churches start having natural remedies workshops as a first step and so you may be thinking I don't know anything about natural remedies I don't know what I would teach and as I told you I have two wonderful ladies here who are going to tell us about it and then we have wonderful Lisa who's going to tell us about how you could go somewhere and get training and of course there's lot of there's other programs too where you could go and receive training but the, what I foresee, I'm about to do my first natural remedies workshop. I haven't done one um, in, a very, in a while. So the first uh, where I have this concept. But what you would have is you would have an advertisement that lets people know what kind of things they can do with these natural remedies. And after she, they talk, you'll be able to know more. But, um, and then the, uh, you would invite people to come, and I would hold it at the church, and I would simply demonstrate for them the natural remedies and show them the uses and what they can do. And so I'm going to invite these ladies to come up and to share with us some of those things so you guys can kind of get an idea and a feel for that. So Laura, I believe Laura is going to come up here first. And let me turn off my microphone. Happy Sabbath, everybody. How many of you have personally been blessed by hydrotherapy or natural remedies? Wonderful. Well, the health message has definitely been a blessing to me. I did not grow up Adventist, and I didn't actually even grow up Christian. And from the time I was a very little child, before I could even talk, I suffered from ear infections. So much so that I had two sets of tubes before I was three, and all I had to do was touch my ear, and the doctor would give me amoxicillin. Well, after we found the health message and the truth that our, our Bible and the spirit of prophecy has blessed us with, we gave up dairy, and I have only had one ear infection in the last 15 years. And, you know, it's really a blessing. We have noticed so many benefits from the health message, from the right arm of the gospel that we have. I'm going to share with you a quick story. You know, why do we have the health message? Is it just so that we can be healthier? No, we have the health message. So first of all, we can have a clear mind. Because the way that we eat, the way that we live, affects first and foremost our frontal lobe, which is where our Lord communicates with us. So the reason why I myself follow the health message and why I use natural remedies and hydrotherapy is so that I can have a clearer mind so I can hear God's voice. So a little story that I'm going to share with you, a little bit of background. My family and I, we've had a health ministry for the past several years. It's been a real big part of our life for the past 10 to 12 years. And we like to teach health in all different shapes and forms and varieties. We had a CHIPS seminar that we held and we had an elderly elderly gentleman come into our class he was completely agnostic didn't want anything to do with the lord but he was interested in the health so we went through the four weeks of four to five nights a week and we got very close with this gentleman he became like a grandfather figure to me but he still wanted nothing to do with god 
but he was very interested in the health message. So we taught him about hydrotherapy, we taught him about natural remedies, we taught him about diet and lifestyle, we did cooking classes, all of these things. And one day, after four years of trying and trying to, to bring him into Bible studies or invite him to church or invite him to different events of him saying, no, 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 he came into my house one day. He called my mom very serious, and he said, I need to come over. He walked into our house, and there were tears streaming down his face, and he said, I was just diagnosed with stage 4 stomach cancer. So what do I do? So he sat down in our living room and we looked at him and he, he seriously was like a father figure to my mom and a grandfather figure. He'd become very, very dear to our family. And my mom looked at him and she said, more than your physical health, we care about your spiritual health. Please try God again. He said, I do not want to do chemo. I don't want to do radiation. I'm putting my health into your guys' hands. What do I do? And we begged him and we pleaded with him. We said, please, try God again. We'll work on your physical health, but we also want to work with your spiritual health because that is most important and that will help your physical health as well. He said, all right, I will try it. Well, we went on the most amazing journey the next nine months. There's three of us, my mom, Lucia, and I, who worked with him very closely. We'd go and we'd live with him. We did diet and natural remedies, hydrotherapy treatments. I'd read to him Steps to Christ while he was in his Epsom salt baths, and we did juicing, we did everything. And I remember the first prayer that he ever had. I'd make meals for him. And I remember sitting there, he and his wife and I, and we sat around the table, and I would always pray because he wasn't coming to the Lord. And he, he was open, but he was kind of really resisting. And, and one day he looked at me and he said, Kiddo, can I pray? I said, really? He said, yes, I'd like to pray. And I said, okay. So he prayed, and by the end of his short childlike prayer, 70, I think he was 72, 74, 72-year-old, at the end of his prayer, we were both in tears. It was so touching to see his life transform. Now, we were not able to reverse his cancer. It was stage four. It had metastasized all the way through his body. But he lived, he was walking one to two miles a day till a week before he died in his home. He had a mind that was clear. And as he was dying, he said, I have the hem of Christ's garments in my hands. And I am not letting go. Friends, that is why we have the health message. Because we want to bring souls to the throne of grace where they can get the true spiritual healing. So I'm going to go over with you a little bit about natural remedies and the hydrotherapy seminars. Now, we enjoy this. This is something that my mom and I, we, we do quite often. And when we travel to the place that we're going, it's kind of like, oh, what are we going to do? Because you just do it so often that you don't think so much about it. I am going to share with you a quote. Why, why do we use water for healing? Well, Spirit of Prophecy says, pure air, sunlight, abstemiousness, rest, exercise, proper diet, the use of water, trust in divine power. These are the true remedies. Every person, how many of you are persons in here or people? Okay, I do not see many hands going up. This is startling. How many of you are people? Thank you. Every person, so does this include you? It does. Every person should have a knowledge of nature's remedial agencies and how to apply them. It is essential both to understand the principles involved in treatment of the sick and have practical training that will enable one rightly to use this knowledge. Now, I have a background in nursing, 
And I also went to UT Pines, and I have done research and traveled all over doing these things and learning more and more and more because we have never come to the end of our knowledge, have we? So what we do is when we go to a natural remedy seminar or a hydrotherapy seminar, what we really focus on is teaching people the physiology of how your body works. Now, is there physiology behind hydrotherapy? There is. Now, one thing that we use is this book. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Dr. Mary Ann McNeilis or this book. It's called God's Healing Way. There's also another one by Dr. Agatha Thrash called Simple Home Remedies, and that's very good. This one is more for those that do not have a medical background. It's very easy, plain, simple language. What we do in here is um, we actually print out copies of this to hand to people, and we allow them to get it as a resource later. On page 39, it shows the basic physiology of what you're doing when you're using water treatments. So you look in here and it says, what does heat do, okay? Let's use some common sense, everybody. When you put your hands in hot water, what happens to your hand? Turns red. Why? Because it's bringing blood there, okay? So if you put heat on somebody's body and it turns red, that means that it's bringing blood. Now, if you stick that same hand into ice-cold water, what color is it going to turn? Why? Because the blood rushes away. Now, let's, let's say that I run in and out and in and out of something. Do I get exercise? Just, same thing with your blood. When you push the blood to the front and you bring it back, push it forward, bring it back, you are exercising your blood, you're exercising your, your skin, your tissues, and you're really motivating or you're just kind of energizing your, oh, your immune system, your lymph, and you're just activating your body to increase its ability to have health and healing. It increases the inflammatory response, which if you know the physiology and you know Basically, what happens when you have an injury, that's why you don't put heat on a fresh injury that's inflamed for at least probably about a good 72 hours because you don't want to bring any more blood to increase the inflammation. It increases edema, increases hemorrhage, decreases muscle pain and spasm, and decreases stiffness and arthritis. Cold decreases the blood flow. It does everything the opposite. It decreases the inflammatory response, decreases edema, decreases hemorrhage, decreases muscle pain and spasm, and in increases stiffness and arthritis. So you basically, what we do with all of our health seminars, because we do not teach just hydrotherapy, we like to tell people what we're going to do and how it's going to affect their body. And then you start off with a list of the different types of treatments that you're going to do why you're going to do them, what you use them for, what you would not use them for, just like as far as hot foot baths, you would not use with somebody who has diabetes because they're not going to be as likely to feel the rise in heat and so it could get too hot and it could actually burn them and have negative effects. Now, can any of you think of any Bible instances where hydrotherapy or natural remedies were used? Captain Naaman, that's one that I think of. We have a little seven-year-old in the family, and so we read Captain Naaman a lot. Captain Naaman was told to do what? To dip in the water. Perfect natural remedy, hydrotherapy. He was told to wash in the water, up and down, up and down, seven times. Did it make sense to him? But did it work? Do sometimes the natural remedies that we learn about make sense to us? But you know what? God can make them work. 
That is one thing that I love about natural remedies and hydrotherapy, is that does it give the human the glory? No, it's for giving our Creator and God the glory that He needs and the glory that is due to Him. Okay, I'm going to tell you about a few um, hydrotherapy treatments that you can use very, very simply. The first one is called a hot and cold shower. How many of you are familiar with that one? Okay, keep your hands up. How many of you like it? Okay, I am one of those of you that do not like the hot and cold shower because I do not like cold water naturally. But the hot and cold shower is really good for if you're starting to get a cold. <coughs> I'm sorry, just a second. <laughs> or if you have a, a sore throat. Is there actually water in this? There is. Sorry, I've been struggling with, a, um, with allergies and a sore throat lately. And this is very cold. A hot and cold is good if you feel anything coming on like a cold, not just a tickle in your throat. <coughs> but it's good if you're getting sick. The first thing that you want to do is jump in the shower and get a hot and cold shower. Just a minute. That is very, very cold water. Um, <clears throat> if you get in the shower and you're in the shower, there's two different ways that you can do hot and cold showers. You can do it for a minute and a half on hot, which is the pleasing, like the pleasant part, and 15 seconds on cold, which is generally what I do because I do not like cold. Or you can do it for three minutes on hot and 30 seconds on cold. And this is kind of funny, but I'm going to show you how I do the cold, okay? What I do is I get in the hot and I'm like, okay, this is nice, this is hot. When I get to the cold, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, okay, turn it warmer. Because I really don't like cold. And that way it actually gets all around your body and you still get all the cold, but it seems to go by faster than just standing there and letting yourself freeze. Um, hot and cold showers work wonderfully. If you're having a hard time sleeping at night, you can also do a hot and cold shower at night to try and get yourself ready to go to sleep. My mom does that and it helps her to fall asleep at night. Hot and cold showers are wonderful, very easy, completely free, and, and it doesn't take anybody to help you to do them. Another remedy that you can use that's very simple is that when you feel something coming on, like any type of sickness, flu, cold, cough, is you can take a cup of water, full, not this small, and Actually, I suggest using lukewarm water because this cold of water, when it goes into your body, just like the blood rushes away from your skin when you put it in cold water, when you drink this cold of water, your blood rushes away from everything that it touches. So I would really suggest using lukewarm water. But you drink a cup of water for ten, every 10 minutes for one hour. Now, I seem to always forget this treatment but I, everybody that I tell, I will get one person out of every class who comes up to me afterwards and they're like, we tried it and it worked. And I was like, wow, that's really cool because I've never tried it. But, <laughs> but it works. It's something so simple. I mean, the Lord says that He is the water of life. He brings health and He brings healing. We need water inside. We need water outside. And, and it's amazing. Something as simple as water that can, that can do that. And that doesn't take really... Pardon? Every, what is that for? 
If you feel like you're coming down with being sick of any way, shape, or form, that is a good way because what water does is it flushes out your system. And so you are flushing anything out that could possibly be there because your water is like what washes you. Like if you have a, a, a sink full of dishes, if you get clean water every single time, those dishes will be cleaner than if you keep reusing the same water. So when you do that, you flush your whole system out. One cup, eight ounces, every 10 minutes for one hour. That's six cups in an hour. So you want to stay near the bathroom, okay? <laughs> um, another treatment that I want to share with you is one that we just learned this past summer. How many of you ever know anybody who has struggled with a gallbladder attack? Okay, do any of you know of a natural remedy for it? We didn't know of a natural remedy for a gallbladder attack. My mom used to struggle with them quite often when she had gallstones. And this summer, uh, my dad and Evan were down at a natural remedy seminar, hydrotherapy by, at Andrews. And Evan had gallstones and he had this gallbladder attack. And there was a nurse who was panicking that needed to take him to the ER. And Dr. Don Miller was like, no, there is a treatment for this. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to pray. And there is a treatment for this. And all the while, Evan curled up in a ball in extreme pain and can barely communicate. And the nurse is like, no, we need to take him in. And Dr. Don Miller's like, no, there's a natural remedy treatment. So what they did was they took a full glass. I, I was not there, so I don't know the exact amount. I think it was like three or four cups of ice cold water. And he drank that as fast as he could. And then they took a hot fomentation and they put it right over the area in his abdomen. And the pain was gone within 20 minutes. He's not paying attention. 20 minutes. The pain was gone within 20 minutes. The pain went from a 10 to a 1 in 20 minutes on a gallbladder attack. It was just the basic use of hot and cold hydrotherapy, and it worked. Praise the Lord, it worked. I'm going to tell you a, a little, very easy remedy for sore throats. No, it's not water. Um, lemon juice. Fresh, squeezed lemon juice. If you take it and you gargle it, for as long as you can, and then swallow it. It really, really takes away the pain. It's, it's amazing. I have a seminar that I do called the Acid Alkaline Connection, and it shows how lemons are the most alkaline food in the world, which kind of sounds contradictory, but it is. And so it's really a nice remedy that you can do that's very easy and very inexpensive. What we're going to do now is, yes? How much lemon juice? I will squeeze out one lemon. I mean, for myself, I can do two. Um, but I will gargle with it probably about five different gargles and then swallow it. I don't mind lemon juice. So we are going to show you how to, demonst how to demonstrate a hot foot bath because one very key important, um, component of doing seminars is equipping the people to know how to do at home what you're teaching them to do in the seminar. It's useless for them if they come and they say, oh, that was interesting, and they don't know what to do when they go home. So we are very big into giving out handouts and having them participate and showing them what to do. Now, some of the benefits of hydrotherapy, while well, she's kind of sort of setting this up, um, you have to use your imaginations with us today. We do not have our normal supplies that we would use. 
Okay, one thing that is a blessing about hydrotherapy treatments is that it's inexpensive. You don't have the negative side effects that you have with drugs. Now, I, I did nursing and I, I had patients who had 20 medications and let me tell you, the side effects are a mile long. With these, you just have to be careful you don't burn the person, which you do have to be careful, but I think I'd rather get burned accidentally than deal with all the side effects from the medications. Um, it is a blessing to serve, is it not? The Lord came to serve, not to be served. And when we give these treatments, you cannot do most of these on your own. And so it is a blessing for us to be able to serve one another, to help them, and to be the hands of Jesus serving them. Because after you serve people, after you do treatments on them, they are more open to hear the gospel. They're more open to hear what you have to say. We've seen this a lot with the people that we have ministered to. So I am going to ask for a volunteer. We're not going to do anything to you other than wrap you up. Um, but I would like a volunteer to come up and basically sit in the chair. Okay, come up. Thank you. One of the very most important components of any type of treatment, hydrotherapy or natural remedy, is that God is the one who is doing the healing, correct? We are not the ones doing the healing. So the first thing that we do before we do anything is that we pray because we want it to be God's hands that are serving them, not our own. Okay? So what we'll do is I generally get the person all set up and then I pray with them. So why would you use a hot foot bath? Okay? Headaches, sore throat. I'm going to just read you off this list. Okay, you can use it for colds, chest congestion, flu, cough, headaches, cramps, for diminishing pain anywhere in the body, to relieve fatigue and nervous tension, and it can warm the body in preparation for massage. Now, I prefer fomentations or a hot, hot um, pad for preparing something for massage, but I'm sure this would work too. All right, so what you have here, you are really going to have to use your imaginations, okay? You guys might want to either stand up or come to the center because I doubt you guys can see it unless you have amazing capabilities. <laughs> okay, you are going to have to imagine with us that this is a basin. This is a, a water basin, okay? When you were children, I'm sure you had great imaginations. So it's, it's, it's about this big, by that big, and about this high because you want it to where their feet can be in it and it can be deep enough to where you can keep pouring water in to get it hot enough and it's not going to overflow because it's really a hassle to have to try and take water out of it halfway through the treatment and you want to keep all the heat in it. So what you do, do you mind moving to that side for a quick it can be either. We generally use plastic, um, but you can use, if you have a metal one that works, that's great. I don't like plastic personally, so um, if you have something that's not plastic, go for it. You want it to be, I, we actually have these big flower bins that we use, and they go up to about their knees. So I like that because I can get tons and tons of water in there, and I don't have to worry about it. So what you're going to have them do, you know what, I'm going to move you over here. See? So you have them sit down. I'm going to undrape you. And you have them put their feet in here. Now what Smash the button. <laughs> okay. What I will suggest people do is put on a cotton t-shirt and some type of breathable shorts. 
okay? Because you want to be, you're going to be sweating, and you want it to be material that can breathe and that can absorb that sweat so it's not like keeping it all in and that it won't be able to breathe. So what you do is I generally, <laughs> I generally have at least a blanket and another sheet. We also have a Russian steam cape that we put over that makes it very quick and simple. So we'll have the water temperature in there warm, not hot, but warm just to get their feet warming up. And then we'll wrap them up. This is a table skirt, so we'll see how it works. We'll wrap them up and you want to make sure that their neck is totally covered. So what I'll do is I'll actually take a towel and I'll put it inside this so that none of the steam gets out. And then after they're all wrapped up, you make sure that the blanket and sheet goes around the bin so that all the heat from here is going up to the person. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So then you, you make sure, are you okay? Are you comfortable? Good. So. <laughs> You're just going to have to make believe with me. Okay, then you have your pitcher. And what you generally do, when you heat any part of the body, there is one part of the body that you do not want hot. What is it? The head. So what you do, I'm not going to put this on your head, don't worry. You take, am I going to be the ice bag? You take an ice bag, or we use actually like a gel ice pack, or you can use a cold washcloth, and have it on their head to make sure that their head is cold. You can get the body really, really hot as long as you keep the brain cold. So then you have a pitcher, and this is boiling water. It's actually ice water, but just imagine with me that this is boiling water. So as soon as she can handle it hotter. Now this isn't just, okay, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, it's warm. I like it warm water. No, this is as hot as they can stand it without burning them. So if she can stand it, then I say, okay, can I get more water in there? Sure. Thank you. So then I come and I just move up a little corner on the side. Now my bin would in actuality be up here. You move just a little bit aside so that you don't let any of the steam out and you carefully hold one hand in because you don't want to burn them. You have them move their feet back away and you put in some water and you stir it in to where our hands can handle a lot, can't they? to where it is hot enough to where they're saying, okay, I'm almost going to take my feet out. And that's as hot as you want it, okay? And then you also make sure, since she is in time going to be sweating, that you're giving her water because as they're perspiring out, you want to be replacing those fluids so they don't get dehydrated. One thing that I like to do with my hot foot baths is that I will have two kettles of water on the stove. And I will take one off and I will put it underneath the chair because what I'll do is I'll actually have this, the Russian steam cape going over the whole entire chair and the bucket. And I'll let the steam come up through that, that hot pot of boiling water to get them even hotter and more steamed as well as filling that up with hot water and constantly making sure that their head is nice and cold and that they're drinking water. Now you will do this depending on the person. I had one person who I put the Russian steam cape on them, sat them in the chair, did not even have their feet in the water, and they were already sweating. It's like, that doesn't count. Because he was like, do I really have to do this? Do I really have to do this? And I said, yes, you do. You're sick. And, and, um, 
And they're like, but I'm already sweating. And I said, well, it doesn't count. We're just going to have to time you. Um, but you want to do it until they're dripping sweat. Okay? So if you have somebody that it takes a long time for them to sweat, then you need to do it for longer until they are literally dripping sweat. They can feel the sweat dripping down their back because you really want a good treatment. So you keep giving them water. You keep replacing the hot water, keeping ice on their head until they're dripping sweat. Does that make sense? Any questions about that component? They drink lukewarm water. Okay. Any other questions? Why do you keep the ice on the head? You keep the ice on the head because you want the brain cold. Because you don't want the brain cells to get hot and to die. You really want to keep the brain cold. Okay. So basically what you do, we'll have to do questions at the end. To end the treatment, what you do, this is some people's favorite and some people's worst time. Now this is actually a pitcher of ice cold water. What you do is you take their feet out of the nice warm water, you take it out, and you pour it all over with ice cold water. Then you dry it off very, very quickly, put socks on right away. You do not want the feet to get chilled. So you put socks on. I let them walk up to the bathroom wrapped up like this because if you take that off and you've been sweating, you're going to get freezing cold and chilled. So what you do is you then, you have them walk up and you have them get in the shower, just rinse off for about 20 seconds, get warm clothes on, and then go get into bed for a half an hour to an hour so their body can take advantage of that healing that is taking place. Does that make sense? Okay, so that is a, a quick demonstration of a hot and cold foot bath. Now, there are other herbs. How much time do we have? Okay, let me very quickly in the next two minutes go over a couple herbs. Yeah, I was going to let her do that while I do this. Okay, there's a couple herbs that you can use. Herbs are amazing. The Bible says the leaves of the trees are for the healings of the nations. And there are a few herbs that I really, really am like, and one of them is comfrey. Comfrey is an amazing herb that you can use as making it into a tea or into a poultice or using the leaves so that you can use it for broken bones, torn ligaments, torn muscles, sores, bruises, anything and everything you can possibly think of. White willow bark and stinging nettle are great herbs for allergies, for inflamed joints, for arthritis. I think white willow bark is actually known of nature's natural aspirin. It's what they use to make aspirin from. Feverfew is good for migraines. I, if you want more information, I have these little charts up here that have all the herbs, what they can be used for, and how you can use them. And you can, you can check that out up here. One of the most amazing components of natural remedies is actually charcoal. We have seen so many wonderful things through the use of charcoal. And so right now, Joella is going to come up and share with us about the uses of charcoal. Okay, how many of you have ever used charcoal before? Okay, quite a few. There are so many uses for charcoal. Personally, my family and I, we don't go anywhere without charcoal, except to ASI. <laughs> no, just kidding. I did bring it on the first part of my journey, and I had to give my bottle of charcoal powder to someone else. So. I don't have it here to show you, but being that you guys all know what charcoal is, we'll trust um, that you guys know it well. Charcoal is a wonderful thing, and I found it time and time again an excellent way to reach out and help people. 
Um, <laughs> she's got charcoal. This lady's prepared. She's got some charcoal tablets here, capsules. There's also charcoal tablets and powder you can use. Um, recently, I've used charcoal powder more than I have used um, capsules or tablets, but just because of the quantity that our family uses it in. <clears throat> um, charcoal is good for any stomach problems, any diarrhea. Um, it's also good for detoxing, and charcoal has great detoxing abilities for heavy metals, um, other th such things, and so therefore, if you're taking meds, or if you're helping someone that is taking meds, they don't want to take charcoal within two hours of taking their meds. Um, otherwise, they might as well not take their medication because it will absorb your medication. On the other hand, if you are trying to get the medication out of your body, it's a great thing to take. A lot of hospitals use it um, for poisoning and such stuff. Um, I've had many cases... Um, we had a case in Nepal when, I, when we were over there. A kid had drink, drank kerosene, and his parents brought him to us unconscious. And we're like, um, what do we do? Um, charcoal. So we forced charcoal down his throat. After five minutes, he was fighting us, and after 15 minutes, he was up running around. And I've just seen it time and time again, where charcoal has done miraculous things. Um, that's external use, I mean internal use, you can also use it externally. And I've seen it um, very beneficial in a lot of things. You can use it to pull out any kind of poisons, um, any kind of pus, um, spider bites, snake bites. Um, and with snake bites, you want to keep changing it on a regular basis. How many of you have ever made a charcoal poultice? Okay, some of you? Okay, so for those of you that haven't, um, there's two ways you can make a charcoal poultice. Um, one is to mix um, half the amount of charcoal and half the amount of flour. Or you can use flaxseed, either one. And so if I'm just making a little poultice, maybe like a tablespoon of charcoal and a tablespoon of flour, mix it together with some hot water, and if I'm using flour, I like to kind of cook it on the stove till it boils a little bit, if I have a stove. If not, just make a little paste, and you can put it on the spot. Otherwise, I like using flaxseed. It has some more medicinal abilities as well, but if you're in an area where you don't have flaxseed, I've used flour for years, and it's worked fine. So you just want to make it into a paste where it's not runny, but it's thick. So kind of like toothpaste. Um, you don't want it to be too dry, but you want it to be moist, but not runny. <laughs> and um, a good way to do it, I found, is to just put it inside a paper towel and fold the paper towel, like fold it over what you've put down, so the charcoal doesn't actually have to touch your skin or wherever you're putting it, but it still will pull it out. So it's a little less messy. Um, one way I love using these charcoal poultices is has any of you ever woken up and your eyes have been like super red? You didn't get enough sleep the night before and it feels like sandpaper in your eyes? But you don't know what to do because you, know, you gotta go to work, things gotta go on, but you just didn't get enough sleep the night before. And I found that making a charcoal poultice 
putting it on my eyes for 10 minutes, laying down for 10 to 15 minutes, taking them off, and your eyes feel wonderful, like you've had a wonderful night's rest of sleep. And right when you take the charcoal poultice off, it might look red just from more blood being there. But after a few minutes, your eyes will be nice and white. And I tell you, it works every single time. My mom loves it. We'll see her often because my mom's very busy. Um, in the morning, she'll be laying on the couch with um, poultices on her eyes, and then off to work she goes. So that is a wonderful way that you can use it on a daily basis. Yes. Yes, it does. Yes, it helps puffiness. Um, other things, how many minutes do I have? <laughs> okay, one minute. <laughs> okay. Other things, you can use it for, you know, liver, kidney problems as poultices as well. Uh, <clears throat> one thing, though, I found with charcoal and evangelism, it always pays to have it with you, and you never know. Some situations, you might not have, have no idea what to do. What natural remedy should I do to help this person? But God will bring it to your mind, and if all else, just pray and do your best. Um, one time... We were doing um, Bible studies with this one lady. We went to her house, and she's like, um, I can't study today. I just, she couldn't even really tell us what happened, but she had sprayed something in her eyes and cleaning her bathroom. And um, so Michael, he had some charcoal in his car, and she had a whole sink of dishes, and I'm like, okay, so how should I do this? So I filled up one sink with warm water and put some charcoal in it. And I said, well, um, how about you put your head in here? And so she puts it in for 30 seconds, and she brings her head back up, and she's like, is that good enough? And I'm like, oh, let's try it again. Anyways, it took it away within like three minutes. And I really didn't think I really knew what I was, I mean, I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. I was just doing something, but God blessed. And through it, you know, she continued the Bible studies. But, you know, if all else fails, just pray and do your best, and, you know, God will give you wisdom. Okay, did you guys hear that? She said charcoal and oatmeal, and you put it together, make a ball out of it for chicken pox, and what else was that, ma'am? Any type of poison ivy, poison oak. What was that? Okay, you have a question on how to mix the charcoal? I see what you're saying. The charcoal is made. I'm going to cover it real briefly, but I bet that a lot of you guys are going to have some really good questions on natural remedies now. <laughs> and so there's a couple things. Is I'm going to have Lisa come up here and tell you about a training program where you can learn all of these things so you can use them. And also, you can stop by. We have booths down uh, or over in the booth center, such as, Laura, what is the name of your ministry? The Creator's Way or one of these institutions where you can go and you can actually learn about these things. Um, 
And and so, but the way that charcoal is made is it's just made from uh, burnt wood and uh, rubbish and the natural things that are out there. And you'll put it, you'll dig a hole, you'll put it in there, you'll burn it, and you'll uh, put something over it like a big metal plate so that it just gets really hot. And then after it cools, like the next day when you remove it, you'll have a black powdery substance, and that's what charcoal is. So just to answer that question, you can use this one, Lisa. Do you want that one? No, this is fine. Okay. Uh, my name is Lisa Hodges, and this is Frank Fournier. Come on up here. And we are from Eden Valley Institute in Loveland, Colorado, which is a lifestyle center, organic farm, and we are starting a health education program. And um, just to give you a very brief overview of what Eden Valley is, uh, Frank Fournier is the president of Eden Valley, so he's going to share with you. You want to hold it? <laughs> um, good afternoon. Glad to be here. Um, we don't have very much time, I, I'm told, so let me tell you a couple of stories very quickly. We have a lifestyle center. We have doctors and therapists, and we've been uh, working specifically with cancer, not because we went out to do that, but because we've had some very good successes with cancer, and uh, as a result, people hear of it, and pretty soon the place uh, now nearly, it's almost three years now, it's nearly been full every month. Three quarters of the people that come have cancer. Um, just to tell you very quickly the latest story we have, which is coming out of November. What is this? This is the last day of this December. Last month we had a, um, an individual who grew up Hindu. I believe in India, I'm not 100% sure, but I think he was in India, he was a Hindu, became a Seventh-day Adventist, and he had such a story that he was featured in the Review and Herald. You can see his picture on the cover of a Review and Herald, I don't know many, how many years ago. In any case, he came to us with third stage, was it? Fourth stage. Fourth stage cancer, and I know for sure it was metastasized in his lungs, and when he came, he looked like many who do come, uh, didn't seem to have much hope. And so we did what we could, natural remedies and uh, hydrotherapy and herbs and the whole nine yards. Um, just to make the long story short, we received a phone call just about a week, uh, maybe two weeks ago, telling us that there, after he got a CAT scan, there is no cancer in his lungs at all. And the original cancer, wherever it was, and I've forgotten now, liver, has shrunk down considerably and he's staying on the regimen at home in Montreal and he's doing fantastic. I called him last week and he was just excited and his voice was young and he was vibrant and, and it was just like a different man um, that I was listening to on the, on the telephone. And so that's the kind of stories we had. What was the other story I'm supposed to tell? David. Oh, yeah, David, forgot. <laughs> that's, you know, she's my vice president. <laughs> David's a young man that came to us this summer uh, he's 17 he came when he was 16 he had cancer fourth stage and uh, he stayed one month through one program which is 18 days he did very very well he was much improved went back home to um, New York or I guess it wasn't New York but he's originally from New York Pennsylvania and uh, he began to go down at home in Pennsylvania. So he called us up 
And one of the reasons he began to go down is because people at home were not giving him any hope. They felt like, hey, you're going to die anyway, and so there's no point spending any more, and all that sort of stuff. So he called us up one day, and he says, you know, can I come back to Eden Valley? Well, what would you have said? You know, he's 16 years old. He's a wonderful young man, and uh, he's being influenced by the Lord as well. And so we allowed him to come back, and he stayed another couple of months. By the way, he died. Uh, we wish we could have helped him more, but here's the gist of the story. He died a Seventh-day Adventist. He was baptized a few weeks before he died, and not only that, he had come originally with a bodyguard. I don't know how that works, but he did actually have a bodyguard with him. And the bodyguard was, you know how these guys are, they're very, very professional and they're, they're guarding him every moment. You couldn't, he, they would weigh every word you're saying. He was a, just an interesting fellow. But by the time he had finished the first month there with this young man, David, the bodyguard began studying the Bible. And, and the bodyguard married David's cousin and the two of them today are studying the Bible with the Seventh-day Adventist pastor. And yes, and then there's a whole family. And when we had the funeral, I had the funeral. And I was able to point out to the whole family, listen, just a few days ago, before he died, David was telling me, he says, I think I'm not going to win this battle. But he says, it's worth it if my family will follow me to the kingdom. And so I think there was an impact on the family that way. So there's more family members um, studying the scriptures. So it's not all about healing all the time, but it is about pointing them to Jesus. You know, the, I wanted him to share those um, testimonies because medical missionary work, using God's methods really, really works. It's effective. Even if they don't get physical healing, you have a chance to touch them spiritually. And you, today you got like a Oh, like a 500 miles an hour um, training on how to do natural remedies seminar. And I just wanted to share with you at that at Eden Valley, and we are going to hold a one-month medical missionary course. And in this course, we are going to be covering some spiritual topics because, you know, if you're going to be doing medical missionary outreach in your church, in your home, or, or like Holly, she wants to start one in her, her home or her church, if you're interested in things like that, you need to be prepared spiritually to deal with uh, spiritual issues that come up. And so we will have spiritual topics, uh, righteousness by faith, um, evangelism, things like that. But also we're going to have very practical hands-on training in hydrotherapy. We will <laughs> go into it much more in-depth. And uh, massage, medical massage, uh, common diseases, and natural remedies on how to deal with those common diseases, how to make poultices out of charcoal, out of herbs. We have a guy there on campus. He's an herbalist. He's amazing. He comes up with these concoctions. And um, I just want to share with you, this one young man was, he came to visit, and he had a finger fungus on his finger, and it had been like bothering him like on and off for 10 years. He'd been to every doctor to try to take care of it, couldn't take care of it, and Brent put together this concoction, and he used it for one week, and it disappeared. And so, you know, there's things in nature that's just amazing, and we need to learn how to use those things. Um, we also 
have classes on food pharmacy, how to use food as medicine, what foods can, can heal you and what foods can kill you. Uh, we also teach you about how to organize your outreach programs in your churches, uh, how to plan, you know, Holly was talking to us about it, but you'll actually get hands-on practice. And we'll be doing some outreaches, we'll set up a health expo, uh, and so if you have a month, uh, we have, this training is available at Uchi Pines at Wildwood uh, for six months programs. And what we've done was taken those six months program and condensed it to one month so you get a taste of everything but more in depth than you did here. And then we've added evangelism component to it so that you can take this health medical missionary knowledge and then translate it into spiritual healing, how to move it to evangelism, how to move them to make decisions for Christ. And so if you're interested, get your pens out. I'm going to give you two phone numbers that you can call. Um, it is, our Eden Valley's phone number is 970-667-1770. And Gail or Laurel will help you. And that number is 970-667-1770. Or you can call me. Okay, don't give anybody else my phone number. Okay, it's 507-261-2509. So if you can't get a hold of anybody at the other number, try the other number first. But if it's off hours, you can call me. Pardon? Okay, here's the kicker. Okay, this is for those of you who have nothing planned for the next month. That's all of you, right? It's January 8th to February 5. It's the only one we've got planned. Okay? So January 8 to February 5. If you want to learn how to be a medical missionary in your home, in your church, if you want to do some sort of an outreach from your home, uh, just come for this one month. You'll get, enough, you'll get enough exposure to practical parts of health outreach that you can start something in your home. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> We're all okay. Okay, you guys, let me tell you, what an amazing opportunity. I just, uh, we're running out of time, and there's so much to say, and I want to hear questions from you guys, and I know everyone has things here to share, and there's so much to this topic. But I just want to say that the fact that you can receive that training in one month is an amazing opportunity, an amazing opportunity. And so maybe you have something going on, just tell them you can't come. And just go ahead and call Lisa. Because <laughs> I know that while they were sitting here, everyone was thinking about all kinds of things, and you have all kinds of questions, and you can think of all kinds of people you'd like to help, and now you're all going to go by those booths, and you have lots of questions, and you could go, and you can learn those things in just four weeks, and you will be an amazing and powerful tool. So I highly recommend you consider that. And if you can't go in January, what I recommend you all do is keep calling them and saying, hey, when is your next program? And surely they'll schedule another one. Um, I want us to have time to take questions, but we're really out of time pretty much. Um, we have uh, two minutes, and I wanted to correct myself just because I would said it wrong, but I was saying things that help with depression, and I think I said troponin, and I should have said tryptophan. So anyhow, for those of you who know, <laughs> that was strange. But um, 
I am going to go ahead and take questions from you all, but we're going to close, and then if you want to stay, I can stay and take some of your questions. So if you'll just bow your heads with me, we're going to have prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, you have called us uh, to this missionary work, the medical missionary work, and there's so much to it, so much to learn, and we just had such a short time today. But I pray that the things that we did discuss and what we were able to gather and glean from and learn, that, Father, we would be able to use these things at our churches to reach out to our communities or in our homes, and, and, uh, Lord, that you would guide us. I pray that if there is someone here, Lord, that you are calling to go and to receive training, Lord, that you would impress upon their heart and that you would open up the door and open up the way for that. We ask that you'll be with us, Lord, during the remainder of our time here. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you all leave, I did. There was uh, one of the ladies who was here in the seminar came and shared this with me. And it's, uh, it's like a networking website. You may or may not have heard of it, but I'm going to give you the website. And she said that you can uh, give this to other people. And they go onto this website. And it's like all of your events are compiled there. And then people can go and see what health things you're doing. But it's called NewStartClub.com. So that's N-E-W-S-T-A-R-T-C-L-U-B.com, newstartclub.com. So I don't have a lot of time to tell you a lot about it, but go ahead and look it up. It sounds like a really good tool to use. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.